Hey everyone, it's Ben Fox Rubin with The Daily Charge. We've got another special edition show for you that delves into the concerns about working conditions at Amazon's warehouses during the pandemic and Amazon's decision to fire several employees who have spoken out about this issue. I talked to three of those fired workers for this show who offered their perspectives on the world's largest online retailer and why they were terminated. Please check it out. Amazon continues to endure intense criticism for its treatment of warehouse workers during the coronavirus pandemic. Late last week, Amazon fired a sixth worker who publicly protested or spoke out against working conditions at the company's hundreds of warehouses in the U.S. I'm Ben Fox Rubin with CNET in New Jersey. Joining me are three now former Amazon employees, Emily Cunningham, Marin Costa, and Jerry Bryson. All three were fired after speaking out. Jerry, you were fired last Friday. Tell me how long you've worked for Amazon and tell me about working conditions you were concerned about since the pandemic started. I've been working on Amazon a year and a half, exactly, to the month. Um, one of my concerns uh, since this whole pandemic has happened is the lack of concern that Amazon has for you as a human being, let alone an employee. Like, uh, it's just astounding in a bad way. For me, me for instance, is, I mean, like, we walked into an office before we even protested and, and asked them, what are you guys going to do? People are walking in here sick every day. We see you sending certain people out the side door and, te- you know, they're telling, they were telling the uh, employees, don't say you're sick, just go home and quarantine. Uh, I mean, and then, like, when we confronted them, they were like, oh, we'll get back to you. It just seems to be to no end because whatever we do, Amazon will cover it up, you know, with something else. Like they've been doing the right thing. Like, I mean, you know, I sit here every day and I look at these new commercials and I bust out laughing. Oh, we got, you know, tons of masks and tons of tons of gloves. But when we were protesting, they had none of that. Okay, I want to get the other two uh, to jump in here, too. So, Emily, uh, tell me what happened with your and Marin's firings. Sure. So Marin and I are both part of a group called Amazon Employees for Climate Justice, and we have been some of the most visible public leaders in the group. Um, and so we had been previously warned in the fall about speaking out about Amazon's impact on the climate crisis. But because of dozens of us speaking out to the media, 3,000 of us around the world walked out as part of the global climate strike. 8,700 of us publicly signed our names to a, an open letter to Jeff Bezos and our board of directors asking for climate leadership. But because of everyone speaking up, Amazon went from, when we first met with them a year and a half ago, out of the top 10 retailers, Amazon was the only one not willing to give, not willing to give their carbon footprint. You went from that situation where they wouldn't even commit to a date for a date, which is the, the, the lowest bar basically, to nine months later after continued pressure from employees announcing the climate pledge. So we had had this history of speaking out along with dozens of our fellow um, coworkers. And so when we heard from firsthand from our coworkers in warehouses, when when they came to us and told us how afraid they were, uh, not only for their own lives, but for their family members. Um, Someone I talked to had kids who had 
have has asthma and other people have older parents that they live with and they're concerned about the public um i know that in some of the sites in in new york warehouses there are people that are live in all five different boroughs oftentimes taking two different kinds of tr public transportation to get into work and that it's they're really afraid right now and so when they came to us we knew that not only just as other our coworkers, but as fellow human beings, that we really had to do something. And I, I would also say that we, from the very beginning, you know, it's it's very intentional that the word justice is in our name, and we look at issues around inequity and racism, and we are really seeing that with both the climate crisis and um, COVID nineteen we're seeing those issues um, around inequity and racism really playing out. And it's at this time that we have to really stand up for each other. Um, because if we can't, you know, we're in the middle of both a, the climate crisis and a global pandemic. And if we can't stand up for each other now, when do we? So Marin, um, do you see these firings as retaliation? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there are, at least within Amazon for Employees for Climate Justice, there's a, a, a large group of us who have, um, you know, spoken to the media. Um, there's, you know, 8,700 Amazonians tech workers who signed their name publicly to an open letter. So there are lots of people involved. This is not two people. This is not just me and Emily. Yet we were the most visible leaders as of Amazon Employees for Climate Justice, and then some of the most visible leaders standing up for um, our warehouse workers, our warehouse worker colleagues' rights. And so I think it absolutely was an attempt to fire uh, two people in the effort to silence all of us. Jerry, same question to you. Marin pretty much touched it where it, where it is, um, but uh, just to say for the record, uh, uh, from what I'm hearing, just from what she said and the reason she was fired, it's it, it's it's a definite is it's a definite foregone conclusion that uh, Amazon is just getting rid of anybody who stands up against them. I mean, uh, these fake charges they put on us or reasonings uh, are not even in their rule book. You know, I mean, you know, they make up the rules as they go. They add and subtract rules as they go. So I would say also, if Amazon is doing such a great job protecting warehouse workers, why were they so afraid to have tech workers and warehouse workers really be able to talk to each other? And we had planned a panel for warehouse workers to, to talk honestly about what it's really like on the ground and how fearful they are for, for so many different reasons. And we had organized an event and someone that wasn't even Marn and I sent out an email invitation on Friday afternoon on West Coast time. So most of the East Coast, our global offices in Europe and India and around the world hadn't even seen the invitation um, for tech workers to really call, you know, to listen in to this live cast that we did um, with tech workers and um, renowned um, author Naomi Klein. And within hours of that going out, Amazon fired both um, Marin and I but it also received so much interest. There were um, a thousand tech workers who had accepted the meeting invite, a 550 who had tentatively accepted the invite. And again, this is on a Friday afternoon. 
And not only did they fire us, they went in and deleted the calendar invite. So it came off of people's calendars. So I, I think there's something amiss if Amazon doesn't want to even have people hear from people on the ground about what's really happening. Amazon doesn't care. They have shown and proven that they do not care about anybody but how much money they're making. Uh, this man made $24 billion off of this pandemic in these last two months. That's how much Amazon has grossed. For me, I work at JFK 8. For, for you guys that don't know, that's Staten Island. But we are catering to Jersey as well. When, you know, we're the highest paid Amazon in the world just because it's in New York. All right. So when you have a bridge where people can come over 10 minutes on the other side, what do you think is going to happen? The people over there and the Amazons over there said, hey, I could I could take a 20 minute extra ride and be making, you know, three, four dollars more. So they did the transfer thing. So now you have an Amazon facility that's in New York and half New York and half Jersey with, with tri-state connections because Connecticut people come down here, too. So with all that being said, we all we all have our, in our states, our respective states, a personal epidemic, pandemic, as far as this is going on. We all, each state has its own numbers. But if you have a point, a central point where people are sick or meeting, they're just, you know, making the disease commune to other places. People, somebody from Jersey comes in, now somebody from New York has it, they pass it to that person from Jersey, they're taking it home, back to Jersey. Same vice versa, you know, coming here. So when does it stop? Because as far as the disease goes, it's not going to stop as long as they're open for these states. Okay, I do want to get Amazon's points in here because obviously we don't have uh, an official Amazon representative on the call. So I do want to say Amazon has defended these firings including the three people that we're talking to right now, by saying it respects workers' rights to protest, but says that it doesn't offer a, quote, blanket immunity against any and all internal policies. Should also mention that Amazon is not the only company dealing with COVID-19 worker infections, with many major grocers, meatpacking plants, and big box stores also dealing with similar issues. Amazon has emphasized its work uh, to protect its employees, which include more warehouse cleanings, providing gloves and masks, and instituting temperature checks. Many workers I've spoken to, Jerry included, have said that this isn't enough, and dozens of Amazon warehouses have confirmed coronavirus cases. Marin, I want to ask you, what do you want Amazon customers and the general public to know about this issue, especially considering that demand for Amazon deliveries is extremely high right now, and the company is hiring thousands of people to keep up with that demand? I think that's a really good question because, um, like Jerry mentioned, the Amazon sort of story is really powerful. They have it pumping out everywhere. You see the videos of Jeff Bezos walking through the warehouses and making it seem like everything is just perfect and clean and, 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 and going really smoothly. And they're so proud of how they've protected their heroes. And, and they, Jeff himself uses that word to describe the essential frontline workers um, as heroes. And, and Amazon is great with data. They can spin a story. And I'm not saying that we have the data. We don't, we don't have all the data. And I get it that grocery margins are super thin. And I get it that, uh, you know, 
procedures. It's hard to roll out new procedures and, and, and SOPs in warehouses, let alone when you're under pressure of a pandemic. But if the mandate from the top had been protect our heroes at all costs, shut the warehouses down, you know, throttle back until we have people protected, give them paid leave while we figure this out, and, and then reopen and go back to, to full throttle. But instead, it was maintain full throttle, even with the um, non-essential items, and just keep cycling people in, just bus more people in. These people go down, bring more in. Is that the way you treat people that you call heroes? Yeah, Amazon, the pretext for firing us was that we, Marn and I broke their no solicitation policy. And that's because we forwarded an email that had a link to a petition from warehouse workers asking for greater protections. But that same policy is violated every day and people don't even realize it. You know, when your coworkers send out emails about, hey, come get my kids Girl Scout cookies. That's also violating the no solicitation policy, but it is no one ever says anything about that. But when it had to do with our coworkers on the front lines, putting themselves in danger, that's, that's the excuse that we were told while we were fired. And Marin and I, after the news broke that we had spoken out and gotten fired, we heard from the son of a warehouse worker who is from Southern California, and he had been a temporary worker and had been laid off in February. And then he was hired again with the upsurge in products um, in March. And within two weeks, he, he died. And he actually went in sick a couple of days because this is really like not a choice you should ever have anyone make between providing food and rent for your family um, or potentially putting yourself in harm's way. And so it's really imperative that people are able to, to not have all of these extra hurdles of first it was you had to have a, a COVID um, positive test when we know the United States has you know ha really struggled with having that availability for people. So who's going to get that? And now with this diagnosis for or this requirement for diagnosis from a doctor, if you don't have health insurance, which many um you know, uh, temporary workers and other warehouse workers don't have, that's a real problem. I just want to note too that that man um, who died from COVID went, you know, to work for several days with symptoms and then also went home, of course, and, and his wife also contracted COVID. So now the son that we spoke to is mourning his dad and taking care of his mom at the same time. I mean, these are people's lives that we're talking about. And so, Marin, uh, jumping off, jumping off that, uh, can you talk about uh, what what your plans are going forward? Obviously, you're no longer an Amazon employee, but you do have plans to uh, do a sick out this Friday, as I understand. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we're um, we've organized a really. I think it's going to be a really great day of programming, a full day of programming. Um, we're including warehouse workers again. We we uh, had one event previously and we had an hour and we featured warehouse workers and gave them a chance to tell their story to tech workers but there's so much more of that story to tell so we really want to give um, more airtime so that that story can really be told properly and heard properly and we're just going to try to uh, really raise awareness of 
um, the worker story and also the connections between climate and COVID and racism and, you know, all of these issues that are coming together in this sort of intersection right now and have a ton of things in common. You know, COVID is impacting um, the most vulnerable people the worst. Climate does the same thing. It's not equal. It's, it's disproportionate to vulnerable populations, which are the same populations that have been left behind by history all the time. It's people of color. It's the global south. It's low-income people, um, people that are just never, you know, we don't start with the changes that we need with them first. And that's what we need to do. We need to start with these changes first. Jerry, I want to uh, give you a chance to also uh, have some final remarks. Um, what's next for you? And also, what, what would you like the public to know about what's going on at Amazon? Uh, well, I want the public to know that, just like I've said this whole discussion, that Amazon is great at deceiving. They're great at deceiving. Somebody has to stand up. Uh, these workers... They're so dumbed down, the people, I hate to say it, but that's the society we're living in. They are so dumbed down because they just walk past like th these things are normal things that Amazon is doing. And they are far from normal. Anybody who's worked their entire life, such as I have, uh, you know. You've been in, in unions, you've been over here, you've been over here. You see how other people do it that don't have unions. And from my perspective, this is one of the most uh, disgusting places in the world. They are not for us. They have never been for us. And from what we see from our, uh, our elaborate uh, 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 ex-boss, he's never going to change. He, he's gonna, he doesn't care. You know, I'll, I'll put out a commercial. That's the way he sees it. We'll whitewash this. Like they, they're really political with what they do. But the whitewash is running thin when you have all of us out of work, uh, committed Amazon workers. And, and to put something, just to shed some light on, on the infectious uh, part, uh, we're doing all this. Uh, Amazon claims to be cleaning uh, in between shifts now, at, at, at least at mine. This is how that, their, their revenue, oh, we clean in between shifts instead of emptying out the building, giving it a thorough cleaning, open it back up, and have an extra cleaning team there on the spot. Basically, my point is uh, we're sharing the disease between ourselves. We're taking it back to different states. The disease does stay on cardboard for 24 hours and better. We do have overnight shipping, so we're actually sending the disease to the customer's house with a chance that we're infecting the customer. I mean, and that's what's not being told. And, and we're not just doing the, the, uh, another thing we're not doing, we're still shipping out everything. We're not, not in essentials. You know what I'm saying? I'm still seeing crazy stuff. Well, when I was there, you know, I was still seeing crazy stuff in the bins, you know. You name it, it's in the bins. They're telling everybody they're sending essential things, whitewashed, but they're sending everything. If you order, if you can order something over Amazon today, it'll still come regularly. So some of the things that we've heard that, that have been really um, disturbing to warehouse workers is around transparency. And we've heard stories that it, you know, it was eight days before they heard about a coronavirus case. 
Now that was back in March. Hopefully things have started to get better. But I just heard just the other day that they, you know, warehouse workers were told at the end of their shift when they just worked all day that there had been coronavirus cases. And so what that meant was they weren't given that information up front. And then another thing that's happening is that they're not get, being told the total amount of coronavirus cases in their work site. So they don't know, is it 2,000 employees? Is it 200? Is it two? They don't know and can't make the proper kinds of decisions about the risk without that kind of transparency. Um, and then I would also say that um, this, this idea around essential products, Amazon is um, selling essential products. And even if it was only selling essential products, still worker safety is imperative because you're not just, just, just them in itself is important, but the kind of impact on health, public health and also their families is also really important. But Amazon is not just selling essential products, it's really selling unessential products. So people are putting their lives on the line for ping pong balls. How is that possible where I can't even go to my next door neighbor's house and have tea with them? I can't go to a funeral. I can't go to a wedding. I can't go to any other non-essential business right now in Washington state. We're in um, lockdown, self-isolation, quarantine. And so it, it just doesn't make any sense. And French courts actually just recently ruled on this, that Amazon was endangering workers and the public and must only sell essential products. Amazon started to move, slightly change its policies around sick leave when they were pressured from 15 attorneys general, 14 state attorney generals, and one from Washington, D.C. And so it's just really important that workers are really protected. And I have absolutely no regrets from standing up and for speaking out because we're talking about people's lives and corporations cannot own the conversations that affect our very existence, whether that's the climate crisis or the pandemic. Thanks so much to all three of you for uh, speaking with us. Uh, we definitely appreciate your time. And if you want to uh, check out more about my Amazon coverage, go on CNET.com. <laughs>